podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm joined tonight by Aaron. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing well, thanks, mate. How are you? I am excellent. It was the day one of another test match, so I'm always happy when there's test match cricket on. It uh, makes yeah. things very, very exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Contrary opinions? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a slightly contrary opinion on that one. I, um, I, I tuned in very keen to see, well, I'm very, very keen to see how well um, Chanda Paul and, and Brathway got off to a, a start today. And, um, yeah, I basically, I did, to be fair, I do have a, a pretty hefty university assignment that I'm in the middle of, so my attention was pretty, pretty much on that all day. But from the reports, a little bit sort of seen... I don't think I miss much. <laughs> uh, well, we've got plenty to talk about. Obviously, we're going to talk about the uh, West Indian uh, Australia series, the Frank Wall Trophy, and talk about everything that's happened so far on day one. Um, we're also going to have a chat about the Big Bash. The season is finished, we're, or just about finished. The final game, which is, bears no relevance on the finals at all, is being played tonight. Um, as we speak, I believe. As we speak. Uh, so we'll have a chat about uh, how the tournament's gone, what the final's going to look like, and then obviously we'll jump in and have a talk about everything to do with the uh, the Frank Wall Trophy. So lots of cricket going on in Australia. Um, um, a little bit going on around the world as well. I mean, It's one of those brilliant sports where it doesn't yeah. matter where you turn, there's always something happening. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you just want to turn on and watch some cricket for the sake of watching some guys with a bat whack a ball, cool, you're going to have, you're going to have a bonanza over the next couple of months. Um We've got bigger fish to fry, I think. Oh, well, yeah, there's plenty plenty going on this test series, but then we've also got ramping up towards yet another World Cup. It's almost yeah. becoming trivial just how many of them we have. But uh, Yeah, I, look, I don't mind, I don't mind the, the T20 World Cups coming around every two years because it's that sort of format. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want, and it evolves so quickly and things change so quickly. Players come and go so quickly within the, within the T20 world that it, I don't think it hurts to have these T20 World Cups every two years. I, I'd like to see the 50-over World Cup stay at four years. Um, I believe that's its tradition, um, and you can build a cycle of players around that building up to, to yeah, a World, World Cup, Cup. Like a World Cup cycle. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, there's plenty of cricket going on all around the world at the moment. All right, we'll get stuck into it straight after this. He's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! Another season of the Big Bash is just about to come to a close, and by that I mean the regular season. The revamped final systems are about to be getting underway, so now <laughs> we've only got four teams making the semis as opposed to that ludicrous system where we had five teams making it so we could get an extra game in. Um, first and second play off with each other, which is the uh, the Brisbane Heat after a magnificent campaign, and then the six is snuck in there after a, a simply astonishing game of cricket that, last that night against quite, the Sports. That was quite a game of cricket last night. I watched a fair bit of that. It and toed and froed yes. the whole way through. Like the Sixers started brilliantly. They, Laurie uh, Evans fought back. Aren't they two very good teams, but oh. I mean, as units, they're both very, very good teams. They just they have players that just complement each other beautifully. They have the 
power. They have guys who can bat long. They have they've put, both teams have pretty much every single base covered. And neither team assumes they're out of the game. And no, I think that's oh, the no, thing. So no. the, the Scorchers were dead and buried towards the end, and then they lost a, a, a bunch of wickets. Uh, sorry, the Sixers then lost a bunch of wickets towards the end, and they were keeping Moses Enriquez off strike, and it's thought, oh, they, you know, they, they might actually steal this one here, but um, Moses got on strike, and that six he hit on the in the last over of Aaron Hardy yeah. over the long square boundaries was yeah, it was it was a great game. It was that, one of the that better. actually sounded like a bomb went off when that hit his bat. It's it wasn't oh. like a clunk. It was a kaboom. It was clean. It was clean. clean. And did they measure it? I didn't see any measurement uh, on it, but it, was, it went a long way. Hundred meters, I think yeah, maybe. Yeah, went ninety-eight a long, meters. Yeah, it went a long way. It went a long way. Yeah. But yeah, so the Sixers, that was the game to tie up second place. So the Sixers will get the second bite of the cherry. They'll take on the Brisbane in uh, the Gold Coast. And uh, the Scorchers then will play against the uh, Adelaide Strikers, who seem to be sort of peaking at the right time. Matt Short's had a, a, a wondrous campaign and He's got them into the into the semis. We've we've extolled the virtues of Matt Short on this um, podcast many many times. We think you know he's an investment worth making. He's well, I, I actually like the role that you've tagged for him as that Maxwell replacement. You yeah, know, he will come in in the middle order. He'll play his game. He can, he can, you know, take the score along very, very quickly. He's a good runner between wickets. Good fielder. You get some overs out of him. And is there a cleaner hitter of the ball in the country at the moment? Oh, I don't just, know. Just the fact that you're having to think about that with the amount of cricket that you and I partake in and watch. There um, wouldn't, there wouldn't be too many. I can't pro- probably. On their, you know, there's guys on their day. Who, Marsh would probably yeah, be. Marsh would, you know. He's probably the like cleanest that. hitter at the moment. Yeah, but Matt Short, on a consistent day-to-day basis, just walks out and he finds oh, the middle look, of that When bat. we're talking about a guy hitting the ball as well as Mitch Marsh is, yeah. he's in he's in rare air at this point. Marsh has been in, in unbelievable form over the last sort of two years or so. So to be yeah. talked about in the same breath as someone hitting the ball as cleanly as Mitch Marsh or even a Travis Head, yeah. yeah, like Short's Short's batting really well, and he's like he's carrying the Sixers, yeah. not the Sixers, the Strikers, um, with just some absolutely brilliant performances. Now, I have noticed that there are some um, there are some things that he does need to work out, especially in the T Twenty format with his game. He's obviously a very strong starter in the um, in the power play, yeah. but uh, outside of the power play, he tends to he just needs to f- just. F- I don't know. He needs to add just a few more degrees to his hitting arc. I think there's just not necessarily boundary balls, but you, you can. Well, they showed it to a couple of games ago where they he was like 34 off 20 or 34 off 18, and then he went for another 15 off 17. Yeah. And they just uh, once the power play finished, they sort of tied his run rate down a little bit there. Yeah. So it's just some you know just some tweaks to his game that obviously that you know every player is going to. No one's the finished article, but that'd be his next step to sort of uh, make sure that he ascends to being a quality international player. It's just making sure that he doesn't. Obviously, you can't just keep charging hard with all the the players out on the boundary, but just making sure that he's not, you know, going from say a one fifty strike rate to a ninety five strike, strike rate. rate. He needs to make sure he needs to. Got to be somewhere between one hundred and thirty, you know, one hundred twenty, hundred and thirty in those middle overs. It can't just be singles. It can't just be rocks or diamonds, singles or yeah. or, or or you know boundaries. But he has to be placing the ball better to pick up twos, rotate the strike, 
So he's not soaking up those those couple of extra balls. You know, at that stage, once he gets out of the power play, he really needs to be making contact with the ball and running. Hitting off stride. So we've, we've got that going there. So the, the Scorchers will host uh, Adelaide. Heat will host Sixers. Where do you see the tournament going from here? Who's um, How's it playing out? If you're simming it now? Oh, look, I am... Um, all, it's one of those rare years, I think, where every team that's in the finals has a legitimate claim to the title. I mean, the Heat have been outstanding this year. They've played very, very well on the back of Michael Nisa. Again, you know, how good is this guy? Honestly, how good is he? Another In another generation, he's a 50-test, you know, 101-day ODI legend. Okay, and you know, he, he, yeah, the the New South Wales quartet has certainly you know, ruined the, uh, every, every, the careers of yeah, a lot of uh, every a lot time, of bowlers. Every time he goes out on the field for the heat, he produces something special. Whether it's with the bat, the ball in the field, some of those catches he's taken this year just been ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think their big loss is um, Munro. Yeah, I I think that's the. That win over the, the Scorchers has really pumped up the Sixers, and we know what a fantastic winning unit the Sixers are. Yeah. And they're not playing at the at the Gabba where you, they typically like the, the Sixers actually played a lot of cricket in the um, COVID bubble yeah. at the ground at the Gold Coast. So there's a lot of home ground familiarity, and they were they were talking about that uh, um, last night yeah. after the game, saying that you know we're. Yeah, not that we're we're big noting ourselves, but we are quite familiar with the ground. We're not afraid I, I, to play. I, I actually ground. think I think man for man, the two best units in left in the the four teams are the Scorchers oh. and the Sixers, man for man. But the team dynamics that have gone on with the 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 Strikers and the Heat to get to where they are, kind of even that out a little bit. Not not that the Scorchers and the Sixers don't play as as a team, but the sum of their parts is is you know very very good, whereas the sum of the the parts of the other two is greater than the individual, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So personally, I think we'll see a Sixers Scorchers final. Yeah, I think there's just there's there's too much class. Uh, yeah. Too oh. much, too many runs on the ball. Like they know how to win games. They know how to get out of scraps. Um, Look, if you're if you're going to beat the Scorchers in Perth, you need to go there and, and put two hundred plus on the ball. That, that's just like forget about it. I mean, what did they do the other day? They made a hundred and thirty three off their last ten. It was a record run chase last night for the Sixers. They, yeah. had they ended up scoring 200 run and they were chasing 198 to win. Yeah. Um, well, at one stage, the, the, the Scorchers were two for 66. That's a big out for them too, Laurie Evans. He's gone now. He's off to, to play franchise cricket overseas. Yeah, and um, then obviously no Ashton Turner because he's no been Ashton injured. Turner, so. Which would be... I don't even and think no Jai Richardson as yeah, well. So. I don't think it's a lot for like replacement anyway because uh, Laurie Evans this year has been absolutely unbelievable, almost unbowlable to at yeah, times. He gets in the right mood. Oh, I, I, I think I think the Sixers will be too strong for the Heat. I think the Strikers, if they if everything goes right with some of those outs, could upset the Scorchers. But Perth, aren't, like the the Sixers needed to play a nearly perfect game. Yeah. To, to beat the Scorchers yeah. over in, in and, Perth, and the Sixers are objectively a better side 
than the strikers. So yeah. it's going to take, I think, the Scorchers having a poor game and the strikers playing out of their skins yeah. for them to get through. Um, when was the last was a... time you actually seen the Scorchers play a poor game, but like they may have poor parts of a game, but when do they actually play a royally poor game? Oh, and it's, be it's been years, I be think. And it doesn't happen very often at all. So, yeah, look, I'm not sure where you... Yeah, I think it's going to be another boring Scorchers Sixers final and see how that uh, that sporting rivalry plays out. Yeah, look, with the way that the draw is now, if the Sixers win and go straight through, the Sixers having home advantage, which will be the SCG, yeah, I'll probably be looking at a Sixers win there. Yeah, well, it would be good for us being New South Welshmen, but oh, it's all to play for. Nothing's won on paper. Yeah, um, but you still do have to admire the dynasty that is the Scorchers because they are a dynasty. Oh, and I think the Sixers are too. Like these two teams, yeah. like, when have they ever been bad? Yeah, true. Um, That's true. You know, like right the, from the, the very the first, thund- the Thunder have won a comp, but they've out, outside of that winning that comp, they've largely been mediocre. Yeah. And like that, I'm saying this as a, as a Thunder fan. You know, the Hurricanes had a couple of years uh, where they were relevant and quite a few where they're not. The the Sixers and the Renegades are, well, they're just bad. Mm. Um, they've always, like, they've made a couple of fine. Like, the, the Renegades have won one, but outside of that, they've been pretty ordinary. Um, the, the the Stars always underachieve. Yeah. Um, Again. The, you know, the Heat, you know, they've had times when they've been... Like, well, the, they've the, won the, one the, as well. So. They've won one as well, but, like, they've... they've ebbed and flowed, but the, the Sixers and the Scorchers just seem just to like just... constants, like the sunrise. Yeah, it's just churn out winning seasons. Yeah. You know, not, that, not every year they're getting all the way to the big dance, but they're always one of those... I, can, I can't remember a year ever in the 13 years it's been going where the Sixers or the Scorchers haven't been in the finals, relevant. Yeah. They've been... They've had something to say come the end of the tournament, so... Uh, what do we think about how this tournament's gone? I, I still think that, that we haven't quite got it right. It is a bit of a shame now that we're losing like Munro and we're losing Evans and we're losing guys like um, you know, anybody Tom Curran. his contract. Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I still think we haven't we haven't uh, we've taken a step in the right direction because I haven't had the point where I'm just like, oh, it's the big bash. Yeah. I want to I actually like how they've shortened it all up, and I do like the new format of the final series. Four teams is plenty. Yeah, um, you don't need to. What, what they seem to have got away from this year is really trying to milk the product. They've. I do like the shorter format. I must admit, I do like the we, fact we that haven't we haven't quite hit it. The reason that the IPL can just go on and on and on and on and on is because there's millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars being thrown around there. The the, the big bash just doesn't. It's not attracting that much attention. There's no reason. Like obviously, it's attracting attention in Australia, but in terms of a global thing, it's it's a it's the little brother. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't need to go, like, you shouldn't be looking at it going, oh, well, the IPL's going for, you know, 10 weeks or 8 weeks or whatever it is, so surely we can go at least, you know, 6 or 8 weeks. Like, no, no. You're, you're, a, you're an upstart. You're a small market thing. You just, like, and it would be a better tournament if guys like Laurie Evans and Colin Munro and these guys didn't have to leave for other... Yeah. And, and then let's face it, when we don't have IPL money, so they're always going to be, even if they're not more lucrative initially, if you've been signed by a franchise that's got IPL money, you're wanting to make sure you keep that franchise on side because they tend to, you know, 
pick the same players when they go around to other tournaments and things like that. So um, even if the SAT20 was offering less money than the Big Bash, which I don't believe it is for those level of players, but you're you're obviously not going to bite the hands at Fiji because you know that that team owns two or three other franchises. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's a good step in the right direction, but there still needs to be a little more. We're still a little too long, and, and, and this really should be a big eye-opening point for the for the makers that there are so many sides now that are affected by big outs from their imports and not through injury, but because, oh, no, we're busy now. We're leaving. Like, it's just the finals. They're missing out on the finals to go and play the beginning of another tournament. Yeah. Like, normally, if it was the other way around, they're missing the beginning of the Big Bash to finish off and mm-hmm. then make it. Like, yeah. there was quite, uh, Queen of the Cock missed out the beginning of the Big Bash because he needed to hang around for the, the finals of the previous tournament. So... Yeah. Whereas we're not getting that same respect, that same respect. It's like, oh no, 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 we're off now to that. So you know, if that's not a big sort of eye opener that where you are on the pecking order of these global tournaments, that oh look, we're we're definitely a second tier tournament thing. I mean, you have to look at. I guess you have to sort of look at who the big earners are in the, in the T Twenty world as far as players and everything go. And if you want to attract those players, you have to pay big dollars. The IPL works because it attracts all of them, okay? Whereas little competitions like us cannot, we just don't make the money. We're not on at the right time of year to attract the absolute cream because you can guarantee if we were scheduled at a time where we were almost like a warm-up, leading into a more lucrative tournament like the SAT20, you'd have everybody out here playing. If they could play here for a full a full tournament and then leave at the end of the tournament and go and play another one. Yeah. Our scheduling's not right. I still maintain that the best time to have it would be as soon as humanly possible after <laughs> the football codes are finished. Yes. So once the AFL's done, you can go and turn Adelaide Oval, SCG, MCG, Docklands, all those multi-purpose grounds from AFL fields into cricket fields, and, and go and just go and just go. Days. Just to, how long do you need? And if they say two weeks, then you go two weeks or go three weeks. You go three weeks and once a week for it to settle in. But yeah, and you just keep bang the first the first cricket thing that the Australians get of the summer. Yeah. Is the T20, is the Big Bash. Yeah. The Big Bash in, smash it out, done, and, and then you and move into... And there's no reason why the Sheffield Shield and everything, it may not have the attention focus on it, but there's no reason why the Sheffield Shield can't continue on in the background. No, I just pause them. That's fine. Just play the Sheffield Shield a bit later on. And then I start, think, start it they, in December and work yeah. it through to, you know... I think the whole idea with, with the way that they're running it, but is they'd like to use the Sheffield Shield as a lead-in... Or something, you know, a leading for well, certainly the test players maybe to have a game or well, two. You should if still not be overseas. able to get if you shorten it up enough. You should still be able to get a couple of rounds of shielding before yeah. December, yeah. where you can have a look. And then let's face it, most of the, the players now we sort of know what we're getting. Like yeah. it'd be there's not that much mystery where and there's preconceived. Obviously, there's preconceived ideas with the selectors. They're not genuinely going. Well, we need to watch two games of Shield cricket. Otherwise, we've got no idea who's going to fill this spot in the side. So, yeah. do you think it's it's feasible that we could have, um, like, say for argument's sake, we could have players playing a Shield game in the daytime and playing a Big Bash game overnight? No, 
I don't really. Like, what happens if you get injured through yeah. the course of a big bash game? And then, you, yeah, I think that's probably a little too much yeah. stuffing around. And then I'm you've got just, to make I'm just sure. Speaking from, the, from the point of view, say, for argument's sake, you're a, you're a bowler and you're contracted to a big bash franchise and your team's battered all day. And you True, to, but yeah. you've also got to remember as well that the, the Shield and the Big Bash fixtures don't always line up. So you'll be... Yeah. Like, if you're playing if you're playing a, a, oh, a, just, a, a Shield is, fixture at the SCG, so the Sixers yeah. are playing the Scorchers, for example, yeah. you then can't play anywhere else. Yeah. So it'd have to be... Your Shield game would be at the SCG, and yeah. then if you're going to then play a Big Bash game... And where are you going to play the Big Bash game? It'll have to be at Optus, and you're not yeah. going to get from Sydney to Perth. Either that, you know, yeah. or Thunder players might be able to then play theirs if they go from the SCG. But I just think that's too much. What I reckon would be a really good idea is if you then did, so you did the Big Bash, bang, first up, get it out of the way through, like, end of October, November, finishing up early December and time for well, Shield. Think but you of play, all, you play, all the good players who we could bring here. And really, yeah, well, it doesn't the, the standard of the competition. It doesn't clash with any other tournaments exactly. in that time. But once you've got that out of the way, what you could also do is then have through that summer you can have the Shield going and playing the Marsh Cup. So you could probably play like Shield games through the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and yeah. Friday off, yeah, and then over the Marsh Cup on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, Saturday or Sunday you could play one day fixtures and then actually maybe try and market those through the holidays and get yeah. them down to come and support. Yeah. You know, one day cricket, which is not. Well, obviously... I mean, depending on the way that the squads are formed as well. I mean, a lot of the states certainly have a one day squad and a and a four day squad, so there might not be that much crossover of players. If you've got minimal crossover of players, there's no reason why a one day break wouldn't be fine to do that. And you can, like you said, you could market it as. You know, and the, the interstate rivalries in the way that they yeah, used to Yeah, get it be. back to how it used to be in the yeah. 90s when you used to watch it on Channel 9. They used yeah. to have the the Mercantile Mutual Cup yeah. or the ING Cup and playing. And I defy any cricket fan to tell me that some that those games weren't some of the best games that we've ever seen. Oh, we, oh, look, I remember watching see. a New South Wales game that had Slater and War and War and, and, and Clark and, and McGrath and, and Lee yeah. and, and all these guys who who come through who aren't big names like you know coming in and playing with the big boys and you get to see who they are and it's like the first time I've ever seen Brett Lee. Well, actually, I've seen Brett Lee in the flesh in an under sixteens comp, like national comp. When he was 16, he was like just terrifying people. But the first time I ever seen him play on TV was in American American Time Mutual Cup game. Yeah. And man, you say, and you just go, look out. Is that the game where he broke Joe Angel's arm? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I think that was a game at the Wacker. It was a Shield game, maybe at the Wacker, and he, yeah. he broke, yeah, Joe Angel's arm. He's broke about. a few people's arms, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's actually got a pretty good record of breaking people's toes. Oh yeah, or jaws. Yeah, or jaws. Yeah, so it's over. It's over. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're we're missing out on uh, some great opportunities around the periphery of the big bash to market the rest of cricket. As and, well. and obviously, we want to put it through the holiday period. But I've made this argument before. Yeah, you know, did you stop working over the holiday Christmas holidays? Did you get mm-hmm. massive amounts of time off? I didn't get massive amounts of time off. I got boxing day off. So if your if your kids wanted to go and watch the cricket, which is what they talk about, wanting to get kids coming down to the cricket and get the young people involved and all that. So if your kids wanted to go and watch a big bash game, would it make any difference to you 
if they wanted to go and watch one on December 21st or October 21st? <laughs> Not in the slightest. So the, the, whole, the whole mechanism stays the same. You're actually probably, you know... I work, prefer October the 21st. Working in retail, you're probably less likely to all be able to organise to get a day off to go down and watch the cricket yeah. than you would be in October. And that's what I mean. Parents are the ones that take kids to the cricket. Yeah. And with today's society, there is much, there's very little like opportunities parents have to have time off over the Christmas holidays. Like life goes on for them. Yeah, sure, the kids aren't at school, but they're still going to work, they're doing their nine to fives or whatever it might be. And so if they can take their kids to the cricket, you know, December 18th, take the kids to a Big Bash game to watch the Sixers play at the SCG, there's no real reason why they couldn't do it early November. Of course. Outside of the school holidays. All the Big Bash games are basically played, you know, 7.30 first ball, or 7.15 is the first ball, so well and truly after school's finished. Um, You know, the whole idea of it is supposed to finish late enough that, you know... um, or so early enough that it's a it's a family friendly affair. So you know you maybe that you might end up having it that your families are prioritising Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. But in theory, that's what you're marketing. You're marketing that a game that you can go and watch. Uh, maybe you bring it the start times back to say quarter to seven. So it's six forty five yeah. starts. So you're giving yourself that extra half an hour. So instead of finishing at you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten thirty, eleven. They're finishing at ten, ten thirty, and they're going to bed, and they're off to school the next day. So, like, just a, just a little segue here. And I was just thinking about when you were talking about the, how long it takes to to play a big bash game. Isn't it amazing how they can keep the over rates in check in a big bash game? But we can't do it in test matches. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those random segues that, I, that you know we're sitting here and we're thinking of, of um of discussion. It's because there's incentive. Inside. There's incentive. Yeah, you don't exactly. want to have that extra fielder inside. You just got to figure out the right way to incentivize it. And a lot of the time, it's not necessarily money because it's the match payments that are taken out. It's got nothing to do with what the board pays. So Pat Cummins is getting paid whatever he's paid by the ICC match payments, but he's on a hell of a lot more from Cricket Australia. So if they say, you know, he's not sitting there going, oh, man, if I don't hurry and get these overs in, I'm not going to be able to get the groceries this after, like, <laughs> after the game when I, you know, duck home. I'll be, I'll, yeah. No, he's not. But, I'll, I mean, so I, I, just, I just think it's... There it's needs a, it, to be in-game yeah. consequence because the players, they're athletes. They care about the outcome of the game. Yeah. So there needs to be a, a substantial in-game yeah. penalty. And, and that's built in... To T20 cricket. Yeah, okay, because the, the, the penalty get, is you, you get, don't get that fielder and yeah, that could cost you 10, you get, 15 minutes. You get bitten hard and it's in the rules. It's part of it's part of the playing conditions. It's in the rules. That, that, that's what happens if you don't get through your overs at a certain time. And the umpire's there looking at your clock, looking at a clock, and he's going, mate, you're an over behind or you're two overs behind. And if you're still two overs behind by the time we get to this time, you're going to have a fielder brought in from the boundary. Yeah, I, I think there needs that, to be. It needs to not be until the end of the day where they go. All right, you only got through eighty-two overs today, um, and then I think it needs to be more management of the overs as the game is proceeding. Exactly, I, and that's I, the key I think, to it. I think there would need there needs to be like a shot clock, like a between yeah. overs shot clock. Yeah, um, where anything that anything that we can do that sticks it right in front of the players and says, "Hey." You need to hurry up and because we. This idea that I mean, in 
we barely were getting 80 overs in a day in the and, Pakistan and, and series. I, and I think it needs to be pretty harsh. Like the first one is a warning. Yeah. Okay, you missed your mark. Second one is a five-run penalty. Yeah. Third one is a 10-run penalty. Fourth one is a 20-run penalty. Fifth one is a... You know, yeah, and it just keeps going up like that. So, yeah. and that could be you could if you, have, if you you're can not, have an innings worth of runs out of slow over rates yeah, at you, the end of it. Yeah, if you're short five overs, yeah, you know, so your first over, you okay, don't do it again. Uh, five, ten, so that's five, fifteen, thirty-five, yeah. sixty-five, if, sixty-five runs yeah. in five overs that exactly. you're behind. I actually think if you get to at, the fifth over mark, if you're five overs behind, it's fifty runs. Just make it such a massive disincentive for for it to happen, you know. And that's and that's simply you have whatever put a number at say thirty seconds, forty five seconds, yeah. a minute, whatever it is, put a number in there so you have that many seconds to get to swap positions, get your bowler, and right. and, and and be running in. And it's, if you're not running in by the time that timer hits zero, bam, five run penalty, yeah. bam, ten run penalty, bam, twenty run penalty. Yeah. Um, and and there needs to be yeah, it needs to be not how do we punish people after the fact it's how do we keep people on track yeah. while the game is going yeah. because we've just we've done it for years and years and years we've whinged and moaned about over rates we've you know we've financial incentives there's been a world championship points yeah. there's been suspensions yeah. there's all sorts of things that we do and it doesn't but, work but players don't want to lose the game while it's occurring. You know, getting docked money after the game, getting points taken off after the game, Sitting getting out of game getting, means nothing. Getting it, you know, you know, the next time you do it'll be. If they're all yeah. in the future, it's all okay. We can fix it later on. Yeah. Whereas if you have to do it in the moment, yeah. and it might not be, you know, a big thing, but I think you know, every little bit helps. And if you're shaving, you know, say. 15 minutes over the course of a day because yeah. people aren't just milling about and having a good old chat and all that and, stuff. And like, this, this rubbish, and I mean, I don't agree all the time with what Ian Chappell says, but he published an article this week and he made some very, very good points. Why are there so many un, uncalled for breaks in, in a, in a um, session of test cricket? Changing of gloves. Changing of gloves. Now, given climate and, and stuff like that, under certain circumstances, I can understand changing your gloves maybe every half an hour. Oh, no, I, I don't mind. If you want to change your gloves, that's fine. But do the same thing with the batters. You want to have a break? That's fine. There is, you know, pick the number. Say, let's go for argument's sake, 45 seconds. There are 45 seconds between overs. You need new gloves. 12th man needs to be Johnny on the spot. If you're not ready to face up by the time that timer hits zero, yeah. warning. Five-run penalty, 10-run penalty, 20-run penalty. So your score is going down if the batting team is the one that is holding proceedings up. Yeah. I, I actually really, really like that idea because it's it's on both sides. The batters will – I mean, batters know how to milk the clock, okay, how to slow things down because the, to slow things down, I mean, the easiest thing in the world, batting on a turf week to slow things down is just going down and do some gardening. Take five for ten seconds. Let's slow things down. Stop the guy running yeah. in. The big thing will be then they'll do, do, do they'll they, then do they'll, every over. they'll then do their timing between balls. But yeah. you know, I think that if you're just sort of doing that, it's not going to be a here is 
the magic bullet to fix it. It's going to be a lot of magic bullets that will fix it. You can't no, just yeah. go, we'll change this one rule no. and it'll fix everything. No. But the first thing I think is there's too much milling about between overs. Yeah. Um, and Ian Chappell, I read that article, Ian Chappell's like, what are they talking to each other at the end of every over for? Exactly. Like, what's, the, what's different between now and six balls ago when you last came and chatted and, and, you, and, and you batted out a maiden over? Like, and what's difference between how we do it on a weekend where... The, the bowler knows where he's bowling, bowl, what end he's bowling from. The captain knows what field he's set. The only time the captain will normally come over and say, mate, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And that doesn't take a, a two-minute co- consultation at the end of someone's run, but it's 30 metres, by the way, and then you've got to run 50 metres to get back to your fielding position. It's, it's almost bordering on deliberate time wasting. And it's not... It's detracting from the spectacle of, of long-form cricket. Yep. It really is. It is. About you, you not, when you can't, you know, well, how many overs did we get when we went to the test last year? 82, 83? Yeah, 80, 83 overs, I think, we got yeah. in that day. And there was a minimal time lost through through bad light at one stage. But even so, they you take that time lost away, well, they still weren't going to bowl 90 overs is, in a day. It's supposed to be 90 overs in a day. Yeah, and not you get, with overtime. And you get the extra half hour to make sure you get there. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, you know, they finish at, you know, 6 o'clock. You're supposed to have your 90 overs in by 5.30. Yeah. And then you get the extra half an hour to try and get you there. And then by, like, they're, they're never anywhere close to having their 80 overs well, done or 90 overs done. At one stage, the Pakistanis, I mean, they were terrible with their over rates as well at one time. They, um, they were bowling 12 overs an hour, mate. That's not good enough. No. 12 overs an hour is not good enough. And, and I think as well, I brought this discussion up because when we've, we have segued quite a way off the Big Bash. We'll yeah. come back to what we're talking about, but I think this is a really good point. I was having an argument with someone. It's like the test finished in three days and half a session. Who cares about overrates? There's so much time left in the game that it doesn't matter if they were slow because the game there was like the game finished that's, well before. So why do we care? If, that's a totally nonsense argument. It's it's not not. I get if for someone who doesn't understand, I can understand. Like I can get why. It's like well, you're penalising a team for you know they're only seeing it as you know well the game didn't finish in a draw where we ran out of overs. So what's the big deal? There was result, but. The thing that I'm, you know, you're supposed to get through 90 overs in a day. That's what the expectation is. It's not, um, what are we talking about? So that's 450 overs in a test. It's yeah. nine. It, it's daily. The limit is daily. You're supposed to be getting overs out in a day. Now there was the game in question was an Ashes game where we were getting particularly pummeled by the uh, the Poms with some overcast weather. And I said, well, it's supposed to be 80 overs in a day, and they were well short because they just kept bombarding us. Through the overcast conditions, ball was nipping around, lost a few wickets, really changed momentum of the game. If Ben Stokes is going, we're really behind the over rate, I need to get Mo and Alley on, otherwise there's going to be insert penalty here because yeah. otherwise I'm not following the rules. Yeah. Then the Aussies wrestle back some momentum because they're, they'd much rather face Mo and Alley than Stuart Broad and James Anderson in a really dark overcast you know, day in Manchester where the ball is turning sideways around corners, they'd much rather face a guy that's got a bowling average of nearly 40 yeah. that's barely turning the ball off the straight. 
And then so if you're actually playing, it's the sort of the integrity. And the same thing goes with the Australians as well. When the ball's, they're coming in, thundering in, bowling bouncer after bouncer, and you can't do anything, and then all of a sudden they've got to protect the quicks off because they're running out, and then you've got a Todd Murphy or a Marnus Lavishane or even a Steve Smith or someone like that coming in because obviously Nathan Lyon was injured. But so you don't then have Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark coming in and bowling bouncers at you, and you've got to... You can, they've got to bring them off because they've got to get they're through their overs quicker. And then, then, on the other hand, makes it easier for England to bat. And that's the, the thing I don't think people quite understand. They look at the end of the game yeah. where these slow over rates haven't affected the result. Well, they haven't affected the achievement of a result. Yeah, that's game, actually a good point. The game has it a, has affected the result, but in tangible ways that aren't shown yeah, at the final score. They're looking at it going, well, the over rates are there to stop test matches ending in draws. No, not directly. They're over there as the minimum requirement of what the amount of work you're supposed to get through a day is, which is 90 overs. At the moment, there's there's stuff or penalty for it. So if you can sit there and spend an extra half an hour, 20 minutes, peppering them with the quicks coming off long run-ups because you're more of a chance to get a wicket, then why wouldn't you? Whereas if you're looking at that going, I'm behind the run rate, I need to get my own alley on or I need to get my spinner on where it's not as favourable or a part-timer with a shorter run-up, you know, then, you know, then you've got to balance that, and I think that's the thing that a lot of, I don't want to say casual fans, but maybe people don't necessarily realise about the overrate argument, is that while yes, the the game resulted, so we didn't have to worry about the draw, but the game could have changed at points in the game where you know it's overcast, middle of the day, we're running out of time, I have to put my own alley on or I'm going to get penalised and all of a sudden batting becomes a bit easier. Or not necessarily, you know, oh, alley, alley could have taken wickets, but you'd much rather face a gentle off-spin on a grey overcast day in England than Stuart Broad or James Anderson. And that's, I think, the, yeah, the people... It's the manipulation of the end result that is the issue with overrates, okay? Because you can, if you're manipulating the overrated, you're slowing things down, you're creating... You're creating artificial situation as opposed to it would flow along for 90 overs. If you're if you're quite content to bowl like in that scenario that you've just put and you're happy to bowl the 82 overs in the day because you don't care about the penalty you're going to get at the end of the day, then we need to work something out to incentivise captains and it's cap on captains to get through their overs and how we do it we don't know. I, I just don't know. Unless it's something that is so tangible to them in the in the moment that they go, I, I, I know I, that's just cost me 10 runs. I honestly think the only way you're going to get through it is you, you can't incentivise the daily target. It just doesn't work. People t- Teams aren't going to do it. They've, no. It's for – I have never – ever, ever seen a game that has had their 90 overs bowled before the extra half hour. I don't think, I think I can think in memory maybe I've seen a handful, and I'm talking less than 10 days of cricket that I can vividly remember ever getting the 90 overs in the whole time I've watched cricket. Probably the last couple of times that I can remember it happening was in India, and that's when they were bowling with free spinners. And and they'd get through 92, 93 overs in a day with free spinners. But... 
they had the incentive to do that because they'd like to get on the roll and they'd like to get through their overs quickly. Oh, well, they and, want, that's, and, and that's the and way they play. spin is so dangerous over there that you yeah. want to get as many overs in. Of course. Um, so I don't think... So, they're, you... incent- so they're actually incentivised in a way to meet their over rates. Yeah. And I just, I just don't think that you're going to get across the board. There's not going to be a carrot that you can dangle. Everyone's going to go, no, oh. No, no more carrots. No more carrots. I don't even think there's a stick that you – it can't be done at the end of the day. I just no. – it, it, teams won't do it. I think it needs to be managed yeah. hour by hour, session by session. And it needs to be – you know, it needs to be damn arbitrary as well. It needs to, to be when as, it it's, starts, as it, it's rolling yeah. sort of thing. So whether or not, whether or not that, you know, it, it's a session – so, yeah, okay, you've got to bowl you know, 30 overs in a session. Or, you know, maybe you might say up front in England, you might say the minimum requirement is, say, 20, 25 to 27 overs because you're going to bowl more pace bowling up front. Um, but you've then got to make it up at the back end where the ball's getting older and you're going to bowl more spin. So you might give them, you know, set sort of arbitrary targets. But I think, yeah, the way that you chip away at it is controlling those stoppages between play. So you have... Yeah. You know, you don't have meetings between balls. Yeah. You, you know, you you put a, I don't know, you work out a, yeah, so a timer between overs, you've got to be ready to go, and that works batting and bowling. I don't know, maybe put a shot clock on and over. Work out what the average sort of, you know, bowling time that you need to meet. Well, maybe not necessarily. Well, what you're looking at, to get your 15 overs in an hour, you've got to bowl an over in four minutes. And so, and maybe not holding them to exactly to that, but at least if you know, maybe a timer that's going, you know, so if you've taken five and a half minutes for the first over, you're a minute 30 behind, and then you're watching that timer go, and you're looking at that going, all right, I know I need to make up some overs. But I think control, what we can control at the moment is definitely those big confabs between overs. Anyways, we're going to get back to what we're talking about. That was a uh, diatribe we didn't expect to go on. So right after this, we're going to have a chat about the Frank Wild Trophy and how that's all going. Got it! Patrick Sloverball! Beautifully bowled! Here we are, day one of what, what used to be quite the enthralling series. This used to be what made Australian summons the Frank Wild Trophy, and now, unfortunately, it is... It, well, it's a farce. I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to... Yeah, it's d- diminished into irrelevancy, unfortunately. I was having a chat with someone earlier, and I said probably the most interesting thing about this about this day's cricket is going to be what's uh, Cameron Green's workload going to be like and how is Smudge going to go opening the batting. There's just nothing to talk about from the other team at all. And, and, and you know, more or less that held true. I was really disappointed in the not-so-much... The execution, that's the word I'm looking for, of the West Indies. Like, I have no dramas at all. On paper, the West Indies should get blown out of the water. Three debutants. They've got no one who averages over 40 in first-class cricket in that side. Uh, their middle order from three to six have three games worth of test experience between them. They should be getting rolled over. But if you're the underdog coming in, I would think that the one thing that you would want to try to, to, to get right are the things that you can control, you know, your discipline mainly. And there are a number of players that just absolutely threw their wickets away. De Silva, who is a, a much better bat, batsman than his record indicates, he is a well-put-together batsman. That was just appalling. That Again, it was the same thing when Rizwan got out in the other test against uh, in the Pakistan series. 
it was an obvious trap that they've set. That's what they're trying to do. Your team is four wickets down, five wickets down. You're the last recognised bat. Just let him sail it harmlessly over your head. No. Yeah, no. Couldn't help himself. The thing, the thing, unfortunately, thing with uh, Joshua De Silva is he is just an impulsive hooker. Okay, and impulsive hookers are another breed of batsmen entirely, mate. You just have to wave that ball at them and, and they're going to go for it. You just need the self-awareness, though, and the discipline, the self-discipline to go, nah, that's, that's, that's a sucker shot. Yeah. What am I getting? If I hit it really well, I get six. If I don't hit it really well, I'm, I'm out or yeah. I get one. Yeah. Just let him bowl bounces. And you heard it on the on the stump mic. When, as soon as he hit the ball, he's going, oh, no. Yeah. You know, and now... And then there were a couple of guys that played just soft drives on yeah. the up, caught at gully, caught at cover. Um, oh, you know, Brathwaite and, and Mackenzie, I thought, got really good balls. Oh, Brathwaite got an absolute peach from Cummins. Wasn't that just a great ball? And in a summer of greatness from Pat Cummins, that was probably right in the grand finals of one of the best balls he's bowled all oh. year. It was absolutely inch perfect. And, you know, we're not talking about a guy who got beat on the inside. He beat him on the outside. Yeah. And it smashed into the top of off start, man. It was just per- perfection. Um, Alathanze as well, he was disappointing. Like, that was a poor leave. Like, yeah. it's just, you've just got to get the things that you can control right when you're yeah. the underdog coming in. There just didn't look to be any fight uh, in yeah. any of them, except for the, the, the bowler that Shama. Um, yeah. Oh, Shamar um, Joseph. Joseph. What a fine that kid's looking to be. Oh, yep. Batting at 11, second highest scorer. Yeah. I'll just casually get Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne, the, the, yeah. the two big dogs of the Australian lineup, on debut. First ball ever I've bowled in Test cricket. I'll just knock over a guy averaging 57 with the bat, thanks. Yeah. Like, oh, look, I, they always seem to, to throw these guys up, don't they? Like these, these young. Really, just tear. He's a bit of a tear away. He's got some quicks about him. He really some good wheels. Actually, but, um, both the Josephs have got good wheels. I thought he was yeah. disappointed in Alzari last year. I thought he was yeah. well under par, like well under done. Didn't have a lot of pace about him, but yeah. he was hurrying a few guys up. Yeah, um, and it's a wicket. That's a, and it's a good Adelaide wicket again. Oh, I mean, they do turn out good good cricket wickets, don't they, over there in Adelaide? They, it's always pretty consistent. It's always pretty much the same. Occasionally you get a bit more grass on it like you do this year. But um, it, it, it's, a, it's a fair contest for, for both bat and ball. And if they bowl well, there's no reason why they can't knock us over for 300. You wouldn't imagine on that wicket. If they get, if they get it in the right spots the way that we did... I mean, oh, Hazel, Hazel, look, Hazel. It's Adelaide, though. Adelaide yeah. always becomes so good to bat on days two and three. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. I don't think it's going to necessarily be. It'll be a bit quicker. They're going to. I, I think they're going to really need to pick up Green or Kawaja pretty yeah. early. Could you imagine if you know Green or like if Green or Kawaja get settled in and then the first hour tomorrow? And get a big partnership on, and lay a platform for Marsh and Head to come out with those short square boundaries. Like well, yeah, it could well, be an like, absolute bloodbath. Mm, like, and, yeah. and we could see that the ball was doing a little bit early on, but towards the sort of you know it was doing that sort of thing where you, you needed to use a bit of you know wiliness and line length and sort of stuff. And you know, Kemar Roach is that sort of bowler, but line length at 128. I don't necessarily mm. know if that's going to be like I, I've got real concerns that um, yeah, if they don't execute well early, and there's a couple like you. They settle into a partnership. Yeah. Um, 
I just Adelaide's just one of those wickets, especially Travis Head. You know, Travis Head's played a lot of cricket at the Adelaide Oval. Um, you know, Mitch Marsh has played some pretty big innings for Australia at the Adelaide Oval. You know, if they if if they let a partnership build, you can see those guys going big. It's not going to be a a thirty or forty. It'll be a hundred and thirty or a hundred and forty, and they could be staring down the barrel of five hundred really easily. Like if Adelaide plays true, there'll be runs. There'll be well, lots just, of runs on I offer. I just have a feeling there might be a little bit in it early tomorrow. Well, hopefully, and, and the Windies will need to um, yeah. to jump on that early. I mean, they've yeah. got Cam Green, who's just back inside. You know, and Kawaja, who I think has struggled for a little bit of touch, especially at the starting off. It hasn't just been that imperious return that he's had. He's, he's had some, he's stumbled a little bit this summer. It hasn't all gone his own way. Yeah, uh, well, still certainly classy, don't get me I, wrong. I think, but, I, think um, we can, I think he's allowed to stumble oh, too. With oh, the, with I, the I, I, I'm not insinuating had. that he needs, I know previously I've called for his head, but this. But I'm just sort of, this isn't the, the free-flowing, entirely self-confident, rattling off hundreds for fun, Kawaja. You can see there's a chink there. Um, if they don't knock him over, you know, again, he's a guy that once he's, you know, comfortable on the Adelaide Oval, he could put on um, a, a stack of runs. So uh, the Windy's got them work cut out for them uh, tomorrow. Uh, I do want to, you know, give some shout-outs where they're due. I really enjoyed watching Kirk uh, McKenzie bat. I thought he was he looks uh, good, doesn't well he? put together. I also thought he was really um, – he took the initiative between the wickets, like – I remember guys like Gale and Marlon Samuels and people like that. Would, they refused to run between the wickets. They, they just weren't good runners between the wickets. They led a lot of run, like a lot of dots that should have been one or twos that turned into ones. And this guy looked proactive and looking for the gaps and rotating the strike. And he just got a really good ball from Hazelwood when he got to that milestone. I like to look at him. I, I thought he batted really well. He... But honestly, outside of that, when your number eleven is second highest scorer as a batting unit, you've really got to have a long, uh, a long hard look at yourselves. A little bit. Um, I was a little bit concerned about what I was seeing from um, Young Chanderpaul as well. He looks like he's starting to, like, very, very slowly, starting to become a bit of a carbon copy of his old man with the, with that really, really open stance. Um, he was a lot more closed off in the last last visit. Um, I think there's a. They'll probably do a comparison when when he bats again. They'll show. It's clear that, that he's really opened up his front side. Yeah, they were talking um, about that he's been tweaking with that in an attempt to get uh, his shoulders coming more down the wicket uh, was how Brian Lara well, was talking well, about Well, the it. thing is about making your shoulders go down the wicket is that it's all about your shoulders follow your head, okay, and it's all about the alignment of your head and everything like that in relation to the ball and where you want to play the shot. So if you're trying to get, if you're trying to get your... Um, shoulders more down through through the line of the ball, and the best thing to do is make sure that your eyes are in line with the ball and your feet's beside it. That's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. You know, you know. You do, I'm, I'm you just do feel like, like obviously Shivnarine made it work, but you do sort of feel yeah. like what they're doing is just making things unnecessarily difficult. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, you're adding an extra. That whole idea. I mean, what are you? And what function is opening your your front leg going to do in to get your shoulders going down the wicket? That doesn't make any sense. If you want, like I said, to get your shoulders going down the wicket through the shots, then your eyes go to the ball and your foot goes beside the ball, and then everything else will follow according to what shot you're playing. Yeah, it's just simple. You but know, it's just sort of, and, and obviously you're not going to pick apart shiv shiv average. 
you know, he's got what, no, 10,000 runs average Shiv's over 50. Shiv's Shiv. an outlier. Okay, Shiv's one of those islands in the storm, mate. You know what I mean? He was just a, a unique individual who made things work for him. And um, I, I, you can't suggest it's a genetic thing. And I don't think yeah, it is. You don't, yeah, you don't grow up and no. genetically have that no. sort of stance. No. And, I, and I think Shiv was probably was still more in a correct batting stance. Like he started open and then closed himself off by the time he was playing yes. the shot, whereas it doesn't seem as well put together. Like no. the sun hasn't emulated it as well as No, as he Shiv. hasn't. Like even when he was starting to – like in the brief time he was there, a couple of balls where – he has that tendency to play down a line even when he's letting the ball go. And you can see that his hips were still too way open, so his eyes are facing out away well, from the first the ball. boundary of the game is he tried to leave it, but he didn't drop his hands and Stark yeah. ended up hitting the bat. Yeah, and, and went through gully. Through gully. Yeah. Now the only thing that um, Cameron Green didn't take today was yeah. that one. Yeah, so he's... Uh, he's um is, is he on? Is he on course to be perhaps the greatest gully fieldsman of all time? <laughs> oh, he'd have to be on course. Like, my goodness, I mean, in his very young career, he has taken some absolute speckies there. Yeah, so, like, you can only imagine another ten years of that. Then obviously, been... there is a long line of fielders that have done it for a lot longer. But you know, if you're talking about if he's on the right trajectory, I mean, the guy has buckets for hands and is. Uh, you know, he moves with a grace that doesn't befit how big he is. I think that's the thing that, like, he is getting himself into these athletic positions while being two metres tall. Like, it's uh, it's a lot more easy. It's not easier for guys like, say, Jonty, yeah. for example, or, you know, Steve Smith to throw themselves around. There's a whole lot less of them. Yeah, um, And getting down to those ones that, uh, you know, those low catches. His ability to get down so low to the ball when the ball's, and, like, when the ball's actually coming to gully quite often is going down and his ability to get his hands under the ball in such a low position and to, and still drive like he's got a lot of drive when he gets down low so he, he really it's you, you know he's something extension. special when you when he was out of the side you'd still consider just picking him just yeah. purely to field a gully yeah. if you, if you, you know it's like he can make his spot he's an all-rounder he's a batsman and he he can field a gully yeah. like you know what i mean like that's um you know you're something special. Um, our other co-host, Craig, isn't here tonight. Townie couldn't make it, and he was bringing up some things. So I'm going to have this chat about uh, about this in relation to Cameron Green. Townie isn't of the opinion that Green should be bowling. He thinks that uh, just getting concentrating on his batting, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, and I yeah, think it's sure. more... Look, I, I just would hate to see him go down the road that, he, that Mitch Marsh has ended up going down where he's, at, you know... He had that string to his bow earlier in his career where he had a bit of sharpness and everything about him. Green's still young and he's got a lot of potential in his bowling. The key with him is not to over bowl. Yeah. That's, that, that's well, the I, I was of the same. I, can, I completely understand where Townie's coming from with that. It's just like get him in there at four, give him a job to do, and his job is to average 40, 45 or more batting at four, score hundreds for Australia. Don't complicate things by making him too many things to do. And I, and I agree with that. There should be the expectation is that, Cameron, if you're batting at four, what we're expecting is you converting starts into hundreds as often as you can, and you're setting, like, you know, we're wanting that to be north of 42 sort of thing, your batting average, you know, and if you're not if you're not performing those tasks, then you then you look at that. You don't give him a pass so as, he, as he's averaging sort of 38, 39. No. You want to do that, then you've got to bat five or six sort of thing, and I think that's just very... I think we're very aware of just 
making sure that he's playing the, the right role that we've got him in. I have no qualms with him being a, having a bit of a bowl because I think we're doing ourselves a massive disservice by not letting him bowl because he's obviously a freakish talent. And I can see him being a Jacques Callas for us, a guy that bats at four, gives us plenty of handy overs. But I want to just see him get into the side yeah, that's, and, that's and carve out an identity. Yeah. And while Marsh is in there, yeah. you can then turn that 15 overs that he may net have to bowl in an into inning seven. into seven. Yeah. Um, what I did like in the overs that he did bowl, it wasn't just all short stuff. They no. actually let him attack the stumps and yeah. you know, he wrapped a few blokes in the pads. I've never liked that. I've never liked him being pigeonholed into that, I'm going to do the donkey work, I'll bounce, 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 bounce. It's, his greatest success in first-class cricket has come when he's pitched the ball up mm. on, on the whacker and swung the ball away at 138 to 140 k's an hour. And they were letting him do that for that spell, which I was yeah. happy with. It wasn't just, oh, you're just going to bowl four overs of short stuff and... Oh. They actually let him in there and have a bit of a bowl. So, obviously, we didn't really need him because we wiped them all out for 180. But I just think, yeah, I'm not necessarily with Townie on that, that um, yeah, we just take the ball off him altogether. But no. I do think if you got Marsh in the side, you you need to be splitting that, sharing that load. Yeah, what, you, what Cameron Green needs to walk in every day is how do I score 100 for Australia today, not how do I get a, you know, a flashy 40 and take a couple of wickets. Yeah. Yeah, um, we don't want that from him because, I mean, let's face it, the fact that he's been groomed to go to number four means that he's going to be Steve Smith's replacement. Yeah. Them some shoes, man. Yeah, and that, <laughs> you know that should mean? be, so, his mission should be, okay, over the course of 12, you know, 12 months, I need to be averaging 45 plus with the bat, and if I take wickets, that's gravy. But that should be it. There shouldn't be, oh, I need to get X amount of runs and X amount of wickets. It should just be, you're batting at four. Yeah. You that's that's your plan is you you know we'd like to get you a couple of hundreds under your belt, averaging forty five plus. You, you know, his goals yeah. should be yeah, how, needs, the goals that are ticking that, off are batsmen. That, that average needs to go up ten runs and ten runs and in innings because he's averaging about what thirty three. Thirty three. So yeah, so minimum he, minimum he needs to be averaging forty three. Yeah. Okay, and then if he if he happens to be averaging forty with the ball, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you just. Yeah, that's fine. You because what the thing is, if he's because averaging, the thing is, he's averaging forty with the ball. Chances are he's not bowling a lot, but he's still picking up the occasional wicket. If he's averaging forty-five with the bat, you can pick another all-rounder. You could play. You could play Green and Hardy in the team, and he doesn't need to bowl at all. So I mean, like... Imagine Green and Hardy in this team. I mean, Aaron Hardy is turning into one hell of a cricketer. Oh. He really is turning into something. Surely, special. that has got to be what Cricket Australia are looking at. When Marsh has done his dash, you know, think Marsh has got a few more years in him. Hardy's, you know, early 20s. He's coming in around that sort of 27, 28. If you get, say, three more years out of Mitch Marsh, you know, you're looking at that, and it's just the same thing. Hard hitting, um, all-rounder, and you just, again, you've got and then six his, genuine bowling his options. bowling is developing really significantly. Like, he's opening the bowling these days in the power play for the Scorchers. He's opening the bowling in first-class cricket, um, batting at four. Gee, yeah. look here. And those two in the team, we've, we've had this philosophical discussion in the past that there's space in the team for both of them. And Western Australia thinks there is. Western, Western Australia will play Green and Hardy in the same side. Yeah, and if Marsh is available, he'll play all too. They'll play all three. They'll play all three of them. So, um, yes, I believe that if they continue along this trajectory where Green develops more as a, as a top-order batsman who we can get some overs out of, and Hardy probably bats at six. Six or seven. 
Um, if you have a really yeah. if you have a really stylish keeper, you could maybe bat Hardy at seven. Yeah. Um, but I think Hardy is probably good enough that he bats six anyway. You wouldn't yeah. even need to change it around. Yeah. Just bat him at six. I think you, you really have to look at the. He's got a massive Maddie. shield, hundred. What yeah. that's seven hundred and seventy four, and yeah. they. I think he's actually got another one since then as well. Mm. Yeah, so um, he is turning into a top-order first-class batsman, so to bat at number six in, in Test cricket wouldn't be a problem for him, I wouldn't imagine. So, yeah. Yeah, let's, um, let's dream of those days. <laughs> let's, let's in, but let's hopefully inflict him upon people who really need to have him inflicted upon, like India and, and England. God, the future is Africa. Uh, so, uh, well, obviously, we've got another another four more days of this one. Well, it's not going to go four days. Let's face it; I can't imagine. But um, what are the windies? What are the windies got to do to to be relevant? I suppose in the next sort of nine days of cricket that they've got on these shores, released Test cricket on these shores. So much relies on that opening partnership. I think if they get solid opening partnerships. And these younger fellas aren't exposed to a rampaging Australian attack with a 20-overall ball. Um, they have... Look, I, you can see that these guys can play. You know what I mean? Like They're clearly not mugs, but they don't have the experience. They don't have the, 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 the mindset to play against this Australian team. Yeah. They just don't. They're coming too up many, against... Too many of them beat themselves. Yes, they and do. That's, and, and, you know, you're going to get that with inexperience. Yeah. It's just, it was really disappointing that, like, it just didn't seem like anyone was up for the fight. Yeah. No one wanted to hang around and see through it. No one was playing, other than McKenzie, no one was really putting any pressure back on the bowlers. No one, like, didn't really have to work too hard to get their wickets. There was some wafted drives... Oh, well, well outside off stuff where they just Afanazi, got cheap wickets. shot was appalling. Um, the yeah. lack of shot, the, the lead. Yeah. Well, the, the lack of shot. I mean, it, it, I guess it goes down as, as, a, as a shot of some type. Um, he clearly wasn't watching the ball particularly closely because there was no way known on the on that trajectory that the ball was let go, that that was going anywhere but into an area where you needed to play it. Like... I was really disappointed in um, in Hodge and Greaves. I thought their wickets were were gifted. Just nothing loose drives on the up to you know caught gully and then caught cover for for Greaves. De Silva's was again. De Silva was pretty unforgivable. I and, and like I'm not going to hold it against him because he's you know he's their number nine. But the shot that Mooty played to get out off Mitchell Stark, where he's backed away and then tried to like carve it over extra cover and he's ended up just hitting it straight up in the air and was called a point. You know, it just shows that there's no real fight yeah. in that team. Yeah. Um, they don't have the culture of the fight. They don't seem to have the culture of the fight anymore. Like that, 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 I'd much rather, like, it's in, and it's really unfair because he's walking out going, geez, my top order, the bats have done nothing and now here I'm getting peppered by Stark. But I'd much rather watch that bowler Settle in and and duck and weave and grind out an ugly twelve. Then just yeah. go. Oh well, there's nothing to be gained here. Let's just see if I can hit him inside out over cover and get out for one. Like bat for an hour and a half. Gets bat for an hour and get six. Like yeah. like blunt them. Make, make them, them stay out. Spend there. some time out in the middle. Yeah. Prove to them they're not just going to get blown away. That you're going to have to bowl 
good balls for a long time and I'm not going to get myself out. Start there. Start with that. Yeah. Just think we need to walk out there and go, how am I not going to get out? Yeah. And so how you're not going to get out is not playing loose drives. Now, if you're if you know if it's a half volley and you miss hit it, then you miss hit it. But like, so there's just some stuff there that when you're in a hole and they're giving you that wide one out, they just let that go. Yeah, make them bring it to you, and then you can play yeah. within yourself. They don't seem to understand, and I mean, it's something that a lack of first class cricket is clearly shown with a lot of these guys. Yeah. Is they don't understand the fundamentals of how you build an innings, and like their fundamentals that. Um, it should be just like, it's just like batting one-on-one, you know what I mean? Like the, the ball is outside of your off stump. Do I need to play it? No. Yeah, do, I, do I want to play it if it's in the right spot and I want to hit it? Okay, but if I, they need to get the idea that the, the idea of batting in its purest form is you let the good ones go and you hit the other ones. And when we say, when I'm, and I don't say the bad ones, I say the other ones. The good ones are the ones that are more than likely going to get you out. They come along maybe once or twice and over at this level, three times, you know, in a good over. The rest of the time, you're looking to hit the ball. So put yourself in positions to hit the ball. They don't seem to understand the difference between, I don't need to hit that, I want to hit it. And that's, that's a, a mindset thing that you only learn from playing long form cricket. Yeah, and they, yeah, they just as I was like I said, I can handle them being outclassed because they quite clearly are. Yes. we're not expecting them. It was just the I would much rather see Cummins have to bowl five or six absolute pearlers to get them out than just lazily wafting the bat at one that you know seven or eight stump and then yeah. just ballooning it to gully. Like, Those guys would get their own wickets through their own efforts, mate. Yeah, they, don't they, don't need need, you, they don't need your help. Yeah, like they've all got 250-plus wickets now. They it's, don't need your just help. just absurd? It's just an absurd statistic where but, we have a, a, a well, we standard... Might, we might finish on that point because uh, we're not going to turn this one into a marathon. So no. four bowlers all bowling together at the same time all have to over 250 wickets. The yeah. spinner obviously having over 500. Yeah. Where does that rank for bowling quartets for you? Oh, they have to be right near the top. I, Just I, the longevity. Like, I think the, the everyone's going to lean towards the, the Garner holding Marshall. Roberts. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, the four horsemen of, of the apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah. But I think the longevity... Is well, maybe well, closes here's, that here's, gap over the sheer destruction. Here's a pretty fair quartet for you as well: is um, Lily Thompson, um, Gary Gilmore, and Max Walker. Have a look at their combined records, man. Mm. As a quartet, Very, like they will be right up there with the Austra- in the Australian record books. I have no doubt about that. On a worldwide level, only the West Indies. You know, for four, four of them. Jeez. And I, I can't I, think of any other quartets, really. Like I can think of, like, I, would, I can think of a the, strong South African. Yeah, I was going to three say, po- three pace prong, like three prong attack, and then a and joke Callus. Spinner. Well, you, or, well, you, you always Callus would be the fourth in that. Yeah, but, Callus would be the fourth. So, say for argument's sake, Stain, Morkel, Philander, Callus. That's a pretty fair. That's a pretty fair um, quartet as well, but I'm not sure they all did. They all get 250 test wickets. 
I don't think so. I'm not sure if Will Philander got 250 tests. I don't think he would have played enough games. No, I don't think he did either. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think the the almost the aura that the Four Horsemen League Apocalypse have brought about themselves probably keeps them fairly untouched, I would imagine. But and I, the thing is, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse were interchangeable. Yeah, so and, and that's, and that's the thing that was, I think evens that up is yeah. that these are the guys that are coming in you know, day in, day out, and they've done it for years. And I just yeah. don't think that the the... They had did obviously didn't have that that tenure, and there was no. that you know one horseman to jump out, and another one to jump in, which is great for the depth of the West Indies. But we haven't seen, yeah. by and large, that by and large it's been these guys have been fit to play. These guys have been good enough to play, and they've done it for a long, long time, which is hard as a fast bowler, yeah. especially as well with the amount of uh, other formats of cricket that yeah. they're usually the first three picked for our one day side, and the first three picked for our. Um, T20 side, yeah. uh, and we've played a lot of, like I said, we've been joked about, we've played a lot of World Cups recently, so they've had a lot of cricket under their belt. You know, Lyon obviously is doesn't have to go and play too much short-form cricket, um, but, you know, Stark, Cummins, and, and, and Hazelwood are all playing a lot of white ball cricket and then also fronting up and, and you know, playing, and the aim is to play every test this summer, so that's yeah. a lot of test cricket in a short amount of time, so... Look, I think they've been helped by the fact that they've actually been able to roll through teams. Nobody's made 350 against us this year, and they haven't been out there for more than 90 overs in any, in any one game. Yeah, they've, they've so managed the game well. They've been well. able to manage the game as well. Um, but, yeah, the, their longevity is just extraordinary. And I was actually thinking about it today. Um, Pat Cummins missed six years of Test cricket. At the end of his career... And let's assume, you know, for argument's sake, he gets 500 test wickets. How many more do you reckon he would have got in that six years? Or is it the fact that he's missed those six years making him so good now? Uh, A little bit of both, I think. Uh, Obviously, when you've had the amount of injuries, because it wasn't just that injury he sustained. No, uh, there was injuries, there was setbacks and stuff like that as well. So he's had to... um, yeah, he's had to go about and figure things out. And, you know, he was a young tearaway quick at 17, and obviously that he's had to change his bowling style, so he's he's not that sort of tearaway quick anymore. He's had to add facets to his game. So I think it's a, it's a bit of both. I, I don't think that the injuries have made him the player. I think he was – I said when I – because I watched a bit of that sh- that year in Shield and obviously the games, that South African series he played in, and I just said this guy – if he gets a good run on it, this goal will be one of the best bowlers we've ever had. Like I said, I think I said to, I think I was saying it to Glenn. I might have been saying it to Scott um, that this guy could be our Dale Stain. He just does a bit of everything. He's got he's got the wheels to to keep up with Stain. Um, he doesn't mind bowling a bit of short stuff. You know, roughing a bat a, ball, a batter up. He can swing the ball both ways, and you can use the seam a bit. Like obviously, he was a bit more of an out and out swing bowler at that point. Um, yeah. than he was seem seem has come yeah. along as he's learnt. But yeah. this is a guy that there wasn't you know, McGrath was never a big swing bowler. No. Um, you know, Stark doesn't use the seam too much, sort of thing. Like he's more like they're 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 bowlers, you know, they're bowlers that sort of specialise in one particular area more than others for Australia. And I didn't see that weakness with Cummins. I thought that he was no. a guy. He probably doesn't swing the ball as much as he should, but he, again, he bowls first no. change, so he well, never you sees. You can see that with the changes in his action. If you have a look back at that um, test, 
then he got uh, the more of the eight wickets or six wickets or whatever it was. Didn't he? I think he got eight, eight for the test. You yeah. got six for. Oh, yeah, he six. got he got twelve, didn't he? Was it two sixes? No, or six it, no, it was, no, it was six and two. I'm sure it was only eight wickets. But anyway, if you have a look at him in that, look at some of the footage of that, and have a look at him now. And look at the oh, change. He's had to completely yeah, remodel. He's completely remodeled his action, which has taken away his ability because he comes from over here, well, you know, a little bit higher up in his shoulder, coming more towards his ear now, which I guess is a, a biomechanical thing which have made him change. But he's developed that ball that will pitch off and hit off on that angle, and that is just. Yeah, that's that's it's virtually unplayable because you have to play the line. Your eyes have gone to the ball to play the line of the ball, and it's moved just enough to hit. To oh, like you saw that the, the, the twenty nineteen Ashes. The amount of times that he would go past Joe Root's outside edge yeah. and then take the middle of off stump. Yeah. So Joe Root's played the line of the ball, and the ball's just—it's almost like it's phased through the bat. That's how, exactly. that's how little it's moved, but it's yeah. just done that. He needed to draw the bat in, shape away, so he's taken the yeah. the outside of what. Yeah, he's he's and, really developed that that and model, I think, same delivery that they all talk and about. And I think now, that's one of the things that we don't necessarily appreciate too much because everyone loves watching the ball hoop because yeah. we can we can see it, we can appreciate it. And we go, oh, Cummins doesn't move the ball that much. He doesn't, Cummins doesn't need to. He doesn't he, need he to. He moves it as much as he needs to. He doesn't want And, look, you would have heard me talking to the juniors and stuff like that about, you know, when we're talking exactly that same thing. Great to move the ball two foot. Don't need you too many wickets. Move the ball two inches. That's all. Yeah. Two inches. It just needs to move it just past the edge yeah. of the bat. So to answer your question, I, I, think, I don't think that um, – the time off has turned Cummins into the world beater that he is because I think he was always destined for greatness. Yeah. But they've it's just forced him to manage his body in a way that so he can actually maintain it. But I think that, yeah, I, I, we saw in that game and we've seen in a few one-dayers and, and in domestic cricket for Australia, he was always going to get to near the top of the tree for Australia. It doesn't yeah. matter. and But just this has just made that success now more sustainable yeah. for a longer period of time. So, yeah, like how many wickets, six years, how many wickets could he have taken in six years if he stayed healthy? I mean, we'd be looking... 150? Yeah. He'd well, have nearly 500 now. Well, how many more what? So, if he's taken 50 wickets a year... Well, let's say, well, six years, let's just say... 40, let's, let's go 40 wickets yeah, a year. Yeah, 240. So, yeah, already he's over 500. He, yeah. There'd be no talk of this James Anderson is the goat rubbish, would there? Oh, my God. We're not. I think, I think on that note. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to let you go now. Uh, we're going to continue watching the West Indies game. Hopefully, they have a Pakistan-esque fight back and make a, uh, a game out of this one. But it is looking uh, quite sad for the wins at the moment. They desperately need to find some runs. Uh, but, yes, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more cricketing goodness coming your way. And then I believe, no, we won't have a final yet. I think they've, there's now days off for the Big Bash. But, uh, yeah, we'll get back to you with the Big Bash as well and how that all panned out. But until then, guys, uh, have a great week and bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.